Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm here today with some special guest co-hosts and we are going to talk a little bit about the new or the newly announced D&D TV show. So joining me today in the virtual loft of the RPG Academy is Grant. Grant, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. I'm Grant. And we are... We also have from the UK Correspondence Desk, Kaloum from the Rolls Podcast. Kaloum, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone from London, where it's raining, as you would expect. <laughs> we had a little snow last night, actually. It's uh, kind of so snowing. Nice. It's snow. It's melting snow. They shut your state down because it snowed? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> uh, it's not enough for uh, barely even the dusting. Uh, and that other voice you heard is our fourth member of our quartet today. It's Chris from the Redemption Podcast. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Excellent. So the idea today is we're going to talk a little bit about, I'm, I'm guessing everyone on the show already knows, but maybe those listening have, have, are not. I don't know anything. Uh, in, in the, I'm always the but, last one uh, to know. Recently, there was an announcement for a D&D movie is in the works. And this has happened multiple times. There's actually multiple D&D movies out. But this is kind of a new era with like Game of Thrones and now the Lord of the Rings TV shows and the rise in popularity of D&D and the, and the normal media culture, not just the nerd culture. And this new D&D movie is supposed to star Chris Pine. So, you know, we got some, a, you know, A-plus quality talent uh, involved. And then there was information released just recently that the creator of the John Wick franchise, uh, whose name is Derek Kolstad, has been tapped to write up a pitch for a D&D TV show. Uh, in addition to writing the John Wick movies, he's also the writer for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus series, which uh, should be rolling out here pretty soon. So again, this is some quality talent. So my first question to you is, what is your reaction to this news, I'll start with you, Grant. Is, are you excited? Do you have fears? Or like, what are you thinking about hearing that we got a possible D&D TV show coming out? D&D TV show seems interesting. I don't know how well high fantasy works on television as a format. Um, Game of Thrones kind of crapped the bed a little bit the weirder they got. <laughs> but uh, so we'll see. John Wick is is a great movie franchise, so it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll certainly be high action, whatever it mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Very likely. All right. What about you, Chris? What are your thoughts on a D and D TV show? Uh, as far as a TV show, I am very curious as to know where they're going to set it. I'm really hoping, and this is just me, that they don't throw it in Forgotten Realms. If they do, <laughs> I think it'll be a little worse than if you threw it in some of the other storylines. But if it's the guy that does John Wick. Is he going to go more dark with it? Are we going to get a Ravenloft series with Strahd and, you know, the whole Ravenloft realm? That could be interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested. I'm very curious. I, I want to know more. But they haven't told us more. Which no, I'm sure this is very early in the process. Yeah, yeah if he was just titled to write a pitch, it's we're yeah, early. <laughs> yeah, we're early. Uh, so, uh, Kalum, what about you? What are, what are your thoughts? Again, you kind of just heard this, but uh, D&D TV show, high you know, production values, A-plus class, a class talent. What are you thinking? Well, uh, well, first, D&D TV show, I'm like, yeah, I'm interested. I think it's great to promote the hobby and, and this sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm in. And then, and then Chris Pine... It's not a question of well, the... He's attached to he's attached to the movie. To the movie, all the right. Then, then the, the 
the director of John Wick, which I'm, I'm not a huge John Wick fan. I think uh, I definitely can tell there's there's a lot of talent in there, but for me, it's not. It's a very specific kind of talent. It's the sort of talent I appreciate in action movies. I'm not sure uh, that's a talent to develop a law and get me invested in characters through a number of different interactions of any time. So of, of, of all times. So so actually, the more you gave me information, the the less I was interested <laughs> with the actual project, to be honest. But uh, more about that when I when I give my pitch for D and D TV show. So I'm I guess I'm kind of opposite to you then because. I actually really like the first John Wick movie. I think there are diminishing returns. I think two is not as good as one and three is not as good as two. But overall, I still enjoyed all of them. But I thought the first one was just because it kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what was happening. And the thing about the first one that really captured my imagination was this lore building. But what I think the secret of the success there was is they didn't really explore any of it. They just gave you enough to let you know there was more. Yeah. Because I think that's kind of the problem with two and three is as they tried to explain what this <laughs> world was, it wasn't as exciting as what I had created in my own head. So I kind of like the idea that maybe we do something similar is that we set it in a world that feels real and feels big, but we only tell kind of a small story in it. And I think that might be the secret sauce to the success. My concern is, as Chris alluded to, Forgotten Realms is kind of the go-to yeah. world for D&D. And I don't think that's a positive. So my concern is if they set it in Forgotten Realms, it that's going to be a big negative for well, me, unless they carve out a very small slice. I'm so surprised you say that because I'm not, I'm not the most versed in D&D. I'm aware of D&D. But when I was thinking, okay, uh, again, you, we'll see when I uh, where I go with my own pitch. But when I was thinking, okay, if we set things in the world of if a, in a world of D and D, for me as an outsider, sort of, it would be in Forgotten Realms because if you remove Forgotten Realms, in terms of established world buildings and and characters, I don't actually think D and D has much to appeal to to people so i'm a, I'm a bit surprised by that to be honest oh, uh, your, the reaction of you three regarding forgotten <laughs> go, no, realms no, go ahead. i would bet good money that it's going to be set in forgotten realms i i would say the opposite really i, I think you I should, just oh, well think about yeah, who well. is the major bad guys in forgotten realms yeah you're not going to throw the draw out there as the major bad guys no that's a big key in Forgotten Realms, and if you don't put them in, people are going to be upset. That's why I think they'll go with a different setting. Oh, I think people are going to be upset either way. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's going to be people upset. Oh, yeah. But see, to me, the secret of D&D as a, as a whole is that it is so personal. You know, mm -hmm. my Forgotten Realms looks different than Grant's Forgotten Realms looks different than Chris's and Kalim's. And even I don't set my games in Forgotten Realms, so when I set my world, you know, I could run a game that, that emulates perfectly like a Conan movie right. or a Red Sonja movie or a Call the Conqueror movie or <laughs> what was that show that was on uh, Comedy Central a few years ago, something in the Flame Blade of Flame or something. It was like this just like goofy, there was like a biclops. So it was a bisexual cyclops. Like it was this this wow. really tongue-in-cheek, funny movie. I, I think it's like 
a crude main dune and the flaming sword of flame or something like that. I'm I'm sure that someone listening knows what I'm talking about. I missed that one. All three of those could be a D&D movie. So you can kind of make it whatever you want, but at Forgotten Realms is the de facto setting. And I think it's in many ways the worst possible one to set a movie in or a TV show. So it'll be interesting. So I, I think they can do whatever they want, but likely they will go with something established because otherwise it's not really D&D. It's just a fantasy story. And that kind of my pitch when I get to mine will be uh, how yeah. you make it feel like D&D. So let's get to that. Um, so I'll roll a die here. So Grant's one and two. I'll be three and four. Kaloom's four, uh, five and six. And Chris is seven and eight. So I'll roll my trusty D8 You here could roll a D4. It's not fully complicated to doing things. I was just going to say. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I had a D8 in front of me. Eyesight, eyeline. D4s are over there in the container. And I got to dig around and find one. This roll. So I just want, I mean, I got a D20. We can do it in groups of fives if we want to do that. I mean, D20 is, let's do a D20 because that's more of a and uh, D. D&D. <laughs> so, all right. So it no. is 11. So that way we make it Kalum. Kalum, you are first. So give us your pitch for your version of a and d TV show. All right. Okay, so um, we're starting with something very left field. I would sack the whole team to start with because they're not the people to, to do what I have in mind. My pitch starts with, okay, Dungeons & Dragons, Hasbro, you want to make money with that. You tried already. You failed several times. You never made meaningful money compared to other IPs. You t- look at the top 50 most... Profitable IPs, Dungeons and Dragons isn't there. You'd be surprised that Senfield does three times as much money as Dungeons and Dragons. The mainstream is not interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Worse off, the mainstream most of the time, until proven otherwise, they're not interested in high fantasy. Lord of the Rings is the most successful thing which is close to it. It's not high fantasy. Game of Thrones is not high fantasy and he pooped the beds. You got a Witcher, it's low fantasy. You got a few other things like that. High fantasy, World of Warcraft, the movie didn't work. Mainstream is not interested. So now Dungeons and Dragons, your high fantasy world. Is it Forgotten Realms? Is it Ravenloft? Is it Spelljammer or whatever? People don't care about that. They care a bit about Forgotten Realms. So maybe not. They remember the guy with the, the hamster on his shoulder. No, what you need to do is come back to your product and make it close to the people. And your product is close to the people. So what you're going to do is this. Remember community? Those guys playing Game of uh, Dungeons & Dragons? That worked quite well. One of my favorite shows ever. TV, TV episodes. You do ever. that. It's the best depiction of Dungeons & Dragons. What do you see in there? Do you see them wearing armors? Do you see dragons? Do you see spells? None of that. You see people around the table. You see people you relate to interact with one another through a game which is Dungeons and Dragons. So here's my pitch. It's a show about fans of Dungeons and Dragons. Middle-sized, average American town, a group of people, a diverse cast. They are middle-aged. They got kids. And their connection, despite that life sort of Put them in different places. One is more successful, one is less. But they're all players on that game and they keep meeting to play those games. 
And maybe they get a bit tired of their games. Maybe some of their children are picking up the game. Maybe they're trying to, but the children are not very interested. But that's your show. It's about the players around the table and their life. It's like, this is us, but they happen to be playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's like Cobra Kai, but you replace karate with Dungeons and Dragons. It's not, you're not in this world and it costs you a lot of money. You make it low cost. You make it approachable. You cast people who looks like the, the dudes and women you would uh, run into in your mass transit or in your local town. And that's your show. It's about their connections and how their tension bleed in and out of their game. Maybe, you know, if you want to spice it up a bit, you go the full This Is Us thing and you make it so that you see them as children playing the game and then as adults. Maybe they're not playing anymore, but their children are playing and you, you relate those two timelines with one another. And you don't make it Forgotten Realms. Maybe you make some references. At some point, they play a module, which is famous. You wait a little bit of that to get the fans excited. Oh, they're going to play Ravenloft in this season for a couple of episodes. Oh, they're going to play this module. He's going to play Tomb of Horror. That's a special episode. But they actually create their own game. And people get invested in those games. And people get to learn what the game is like. Your mother can watch it because there's no dragons flying and so on. It's people playing the game regular people and arguing about you playing again this this evening and he's arguing with his wife or, or she's arguing with her with her husband things that people can relate to and they are exposed to the product and you sell more of the product and it's low cost simple and you do a recipe which has been successful with other products rather than trying once more to do a high fantasy high cost show which will fail like many other shows before all right. Now, this is optional, so you don't have to have this if you don't have it already. But do you have any thoughts on uh, season length? So is this like a 21, 22 uh, episode season? Is it premiere TV, like eight? Is it on HBO, Netflix? And do you have any casting? Like, who would you want to be in your show? If you have any of that, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine as well. Uh, um, I don't like the 22, epi 22 episodes format. I think it's too much uh, for, for a lot of shows. People cannot catch up when they miss the season and this sort of things. Do you release it in one go or do you make it the water cooler show? So do you go the Mandalorian? Uh, it, uh, yeah, do you go the one division Mandalorian route or do you go the Stranger Things route? I'm not quite sure between the two. But yeah, actually, you know, I would take the Duffer Brothers. I would be much more, I think they would be much more appropriate to do this sort of show than uh, anyone who worked on John Wick or someone, someone who. Uh, somewhat like, uh, what's his name? Ed Elms, you know, comedians, uh, down-to-earth comedians. I, you know, even for the movie, I would picture something like Tag, which I saw recently, which is not the most brilliant movie, but it's sort of this thing is down-to-earth. And in terms of casting, I'd prefer to, I always prefer to cast nobodies, but what's important is that they should look very average, not too good looking. You know, I miss, it's personal, but I miss those it's not just a casting, but it's uh, the photography and the makeup artist. Don't make people look exceedingly good. Make them look like, okay, the, the good-looking girl people are looking uh, up to, she's good-looking, but she's not, she's not a top model. She doesn't, she looks, keep it authentic. That's the thing. And you know, you can have a few cameos now and then. You know, they go on the convention, they meet Matthew Mercer or... 
Chris Perkins. You can do, do those sort of things uh, happen. But uh, yeah, keep it grounded. All right. So uh, any questions for Caleb on his on his pitch? Any clarification? So we're not reacting to it like, you know, uh, like not poking holes or, or you know, encouraging. So it's just any questions on like to flesh it out any, any bit further before we move on. Uh, you're going to bring me in as your uh, lead actor? Sure. Now, Chris looks really <laughs> average, right? Yeah. If you vote for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will move on then. So uh, Kalen was pitch number one. So when we come to voting later, that's how we will vote. So now I'm going to roll a D12 uh, for the uh, other three of us. And it is one, two, three. So that is Grant. So Grant, you are up for your pitch, sir. Well, Kalum wants to go grounded, and that's good. I think... Part of the problem is that no one's ever really tried super high fantasy, and maybe that's why it's failed. You got to lean into the weird. Okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking, and it's going to be in Forgotten Realms because, of course, it's going to be in Forgotten Realms. It's going to be in Waterdeep because, of course, it's going to be in Waterdeep. Where else is it going to be? No one cares about Neverwinter. No one cares about those other cities. <laughs> okay. But it's going to be like the wire or the Sopranos, and it's going to focus on the villains of Waterdeep, which are Xanathar, which is a the paranoid beholder crime boss, because it's weird, and we're going to lean hard into the weird. So the star of the show is going to be a beholder who is paranoid, shoots eye lasers, and versus the other crime boss in Waterdeep, which is Manshun, the one-armed wizard, bad guy leader of the Zentarum. So we got we got everything everybody wants, except us because we're not so keen on the Forgotten Realms setting, especially not Waterdeep. But that's okay; it's not for us. Yeah, <laughs> it's for the people that want to see and want to go real weird. And so it'll focus on the crime angle because there hasn't been a good crime show in a while. Um, mostly, and then there could be adventurers that come in to stop them, but they all fail. <laughs> and, so we have death traps that are actually deadly. Yeah, that's right. They all fail, so no one gets attached to the adventurers. It's not about the adventurers. It's about this weird one-eyed beholder zooming around, hovering, shouting things, loving his fish. <laughs> and it's just, nice. we lean hard into the weird. All right. So any thoughts again on, you know, episode length, release strategy, networks it goes to, casting, anything like that? Well, it's going to be a CGI beholder because I don't mm -hmm. know that you can do that with practical effects. We can have somebody do the voice. I don't know who would do the voice. Somebody who could do real paranoid and maybe, maybe, uh, maybe somebody with a nice baritone. That would be good. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be weird. And we just, and it goes to, let's say it's a somewhat comedic, so it goes to sci-fi. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I like that. So, any any questions for Grant's proposal, or you know, pitch? Any clarifying questions? Yeah, I got one. Uh, what what I like in shows like that, what I find uh, interesting in terms of production is, you know, even if when they have a, a massive budget, they do find ways in their strategy, in their storytelling to cut costs somehow. Uh, the Mandalorian they do, did that by doing a lot of scenes which are in the, 
in the open, which happened not to be in the open. They, they, they got this technology, but they, they can reuse it very easily compared to using uh, closed sets. Other shows, they like Smallville, they keep going back to the talent and they got places they keep going back to and so on. So Star Trek, they, they got the bridge and so on. So what's your strategy to sort of keep costs under control, you know, in terms of production, just not to be strictly throwing money uh, at a wall. Oh, this is this, this is. I don't know that this is going to be big budget because it's going to sci-fi, so it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be sad. But that sounds big budget. <laughs> sci-fi doesn't sound big budget. So <laughs> that encouraged me to ask that. It's gonna be uh, mostly set in the Xanasar's crypt, which is dark, maybe a little foggy. <laughs> cool. Always the same place, and the adventurers come That's back. Right. So you don't visit Waterdeep. Okay, yes. cool. Yes, I don't know that we even go out to see Waterdeep. Maybe the docks, <laughs> where there's some some you know Batman Beyond style or Batman uh, Begins style criming at the docks. A warehouse. Yeah, a warehouse. warehouse simple, is always simple great. Stuff. And then where there's crime. The, the Yawning Portal <laughs> season two or three. Yeah, great. Maybe your like your big season finale is in that tavern in Waterdeep, the famous one. Oh, the Yawning Portal. Yeah, yep. yeah. So. I just played a Waterdeep campaign. That's why it's so fresh in my mind. I know I got Waterdeep on the mind. <laughs> All right. Chris, did you have a question as well? Well, you said a lot of CGI. Would it be easier just to do it as an entire CGI show then? That would help Ooh. with Calum's budget. That would help with the effects. Because I think one of the knocks on the old D&D movies is you have these actors and then this really cheap looking monster that's floating in the air. That's right. That a CGI beholder. Yeah. At that, but it was not done well. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it was like a it was like a MS Paint right. beholder dropped into this movie. No, that's yeah. a good idea. A good little style of like Star Wars Rebels or something, and therefore all the effects mm-hmm. are covered in animation. Ooh, I like that. Are we going into the realm of you know we go once we are in animation? Are we going into the realm of lower decks in this case? There you go. Because I, that I haven't watched it, so I can't comment on that. I think you get I mean, play you know, out. your Rick and Morty, it's more comedy, it's more adult, it's referential to an IP, but it's, yeah, it's sort of contained and uh, you target a special audience. Yes, I think I think that would be the trick is it's, it is going to be niche, so keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went from the wire on edge well, you know. to <laughs> I'm an animation show in 2D yeah. on sci-fi. <laughs> Well, again, that's the thing, beauty of D&D is that it is all of these at the same time. I think we need to move on to Chris because it's going to become a webtoon <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah? <laughs> all right. So uh, it's just now Chris and I, so I will roll uh, just a D12. I'm one through six. You're seven and up. It is seven and up. Yay. So you will be third here. So begin for voting. Remember that Caleb is one, Grain is two, Chris is three. I will be four. We should get titles for our shows and vote for the titles. That might work as well. But, uh, we'll, we'll work out the, the titles once we all made our pitch. We'll, we'll introduce the titles. All right. Well, mine is going to be, well, so far, definitely different than the other two pitches. Because I'm walking straight to either Amazon or Netflix or Hulu. And I'm kicking their door down and I'm saying, I have a series for you that's going to be either you can do it for one season and find out if you like it. If not, we've got 10, 20 years worth of content. Because I want to talk about a story that starts very personal with a small cast and then slowly adds new characters and builds up, and it's already an established IP. Let's start right at Dragonlance, the first book, Soulforge. We follow Raceland and Caraman, and we watch as it slowly adds the rest of the group, 
and you slowly build it up, but you're starting with Raceland's story mostly, so it's going to be very personal. And people are going to be able to identify with that personal character. Plus, you can slowly introduce more magic into the story. You can slowly start introducing more monsters. So the general fans that have never actually really watched D&D or played D&D, they can slowly get immersed into this world. You're not just throwing them out there and, here's a dragon, good luck. Because most people are going to go, ah, that's cheesy. But if you can follow the journey and you can build it up slowly, you can get people more and more immersed in the world. So it does start in kind of a small area, and then you slowly build Kren up, you slowly build the lore up, and you can just get people hooked. And again, you can do the first two books, which is Soul Forge and Brother in Arms. That's season one. At the end of that, if you don't have the positive reviews you like, you don't have to do any more. Then after that, each book is a season, because each book is about thick enough to do 13, 14 episodes. Casting, that's where it gets tricky. I would not go after big name actors. I would go after all new faces. Let's get young talent. Let's get them in here. Let's build them up. There's a lot of shows that have done that. Um, there's a lot of directors that do that specifically. So mm-hmm. I, that's my makes sense with costs. Mm-hmm. You got long term contracts with them. Mm-hmm. You but you lock you them tie in. them, and then they, they they beg you to release them to go that movie, uh, that MCU movie they got an offer for. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's part of my idea, too, is how kind of Marvel built things up by doing one movie at a time, and then you jumped into the Avengers. Same concept here, building the TV show up. Like I said, you start off mostly with Caraman and Raceland. You've got Tannis in there a little bit, and Sturm and Flint you kind of meet as you tell their story. And then you can continually add different characters and different bad guys. I also know that, you know, Hickman and Weiss did settle their lawsuit with Hasbro, so we can go with it. It's not off the table anymore. but So what book series you said it was? Dragonlance. Okay, Dragonlance. All right. Actually, it's a big enough name that, especially some of us, let's say veteran, because I don't like the word old, veteran role players, can remember reading these books when we were younger. It'll still appeal to the younger crowd. You can pull them in. You know, I can see, you know, guys like me and Michael running in with our kids. This is a story I fell in love with. And then get them hooked and... Now you've got families doing stuff. (laughs) But I think one of the keys right now, and I think The Witcher did this well, is you really focused on a couple characters at a time, and then you had all these other characters build up around it. I think that's my biggest fear with any D&D movie or show. Here's your party of eight characters, and they're going to bounce between each character and these weird relationships, and they don't have time to build it. This would give you time to build up their interactions you can see how they feel about each other, and we can, you know, see how it goes from there. Cool. And like I said, I would definitely go for a streaming service because then you could release it all at once, and then you could just binge watch it with your kids because the kids aren't going to have the attention span anymore to watch it one week and wait a week. They want it now. Plus, with Netflix, Hulu, all those streaming services, you can kind of have a little more license to do what you want because you don't have. Was it the FCC in your ear going, hey, you're on a major network. You have to do this or that. Plus, they have the money to do it right now. Okay. Ooh. Any other questions for Chris? Or Chris, do you have more? I was just going to say, it just popped in my head. Maybe you go to Disney Plus and go, hey, why don't you buy Hasbro? Make this part of your whole network. <laughs> now you can have a D&D uh, streaming ch- channel like Marvel and Star Wars. 
they already own everything. So what's what's one more acquisition? I'm not sure I want that to happen. There's a part of me that hates the idea that Disney's so powerful, but yet they keep making things I love. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay. Uh, I agree. Yeah, until they start screwing things up that... For me personally, like I know it's it's really terrible for the industry, but Michael's really happy with Disney owning everything. All right. So any other questions for Chris? Any other clarifying questions before we move on? All right. I will round things out. I don't have to roll any dice. I'm the only one left. So my pitch is very classically Michael in that it's weird and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But in my mind, it's all about tone and execution than the idea. So I love never ending story. And I love the idea of the connection of the character who's in our world and is reading about this fantasy world. But the fantasy world isn't actually fake. It is a real world as well. And there's a, there's a connection between these two. So that's sort of my idea. Uh, also, there's some Stranger Things mixed in where the D&D, kind of like I think to Caleb's point, is like it's part of the story is the people that are playing the game as well as the, the characters they create. And there's like a meta conversation between what the characters are going through in the game versus what the players are going through in real life. Got to mix in a little bit of Rick and Morty because I think Dan Harmon is just a brilliant writer. He's the one who wrote those community episodes about D&D, which again are some of the best depictions of D&D, I think, ever in, in popular media um, and obviously creator of Rick and Morty. So you blend all those three together and I have the idea that there's a group of people who are playing the game and in their town, there's a game store with a pretty like popular, maybe YouTuber, maybe influencer, I don't know who runs these games and they are trying to get into those games. Mostly the, probably the person like the DM and this is a kid. So like teenager age, uh, who wants to be able to get into this person's games. So we hear a lot about them, but we never actually see them. And as the season progresses, I'm thinking eight episodes, premiere TV. So like HBO, though, I do like the weekly release schedule because I think that, that's great for building, you know, interest and theorizing that kind of thing. And what we find is that the entire season one is actually a prequel because this is in fact a last starfighter situation where certain kids are being groomed because they have the ability to actually create worlds. And our main character will then get brought into this world uh, or to this GM's game because they actually do go into these fantasy worlds and there they have the ability to, to basically like matrix style affect things, which is what gives them their powers. So you have wizards and rangers and clerics because they're just matrixing up this entire world through their power to manipulate reality in these worlds. And ultimately we will find that that influencer YouTuber is the bad guy in the world that they are trying to go to. So Kind of incomplete, but I, I have a tone in mind. I, I love the last Starfighter aspect and then the, the the connection of the real characters to the fake characters. And it also feels like D&D to me, not just a generic high fantasy. It's definitely there'll be D20s rolled at tables. And, you know, then we kind of sink into what that means in the world that we're in. Uh, so, again, eight seasons, HBO or other prestige and definitely, I think Dan Harmon needs to be on the writing staff. And I think Joe Magliello, however you say his name, has to be in there somewhere as well because he is, and he's also a Dragonlance guy, so he might want to be Dragonlance. Oh. Oh. So that is what I have. So any questions for me that I probably won't be able to answer? <laughs> so it sounds like you're taking Last Starfighter, Magicians, and D&D and combining them. 
Yes, the magicians definitely. I meant to say that as another. I love the magicians TV show. I think that should be in there as well. I could see that because you could easily have the lore being told just like they did in Magicians and somebody falls in love with it and then they get pulled into the D&D world or alternate mm -hmm. world, however you want to say it. That makes sense. I have a question sort of for everyone. Do you see your show as somewhat ongoing till whenever or does it have a finite end? Do you have an arc in mind with an end like it's a... It's a four-season show, and that's it, and you you accept it. So for mine, it would probably be like three three to five seasons, because uh, again, eight episodes isn't a ton compared to what we're used to. But yeah, it definitely has an arc where we would ultimately defeat uh, the main bad guy, you know, evil person. It would you could have spinoffs and that kind of thing, so it could continue if it's popular. But it's not a forever show. Chris, what about you? Do you? I mean, I guess yours is tied to the Dragonlance novels. Yeah, I mean, you're talking I mean, many, many seasons. I, I don't even know how many books there are that tell just the story of the main characters. Right off the top of my head, 15, 20 seasons easily, just right there. I mean, there's a ton of books that have been written over the years by more than just uh, Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Other people have come in to tell stories in between their books. And, mm. you know, I wouldn't want to go with a lot of the spinoffs that they did. Uh, I just think that would be too much, but I think it would be okay to do just the main story all the way up through the Amber and Ashes series, which is a great series, but I could go on that rant for a while. Uh, what about you, Grant? Mine would last two seasons. <laughs> okay. No nef definite arc, but it would only get to two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What about you, Caleb? I'm taking it the Simpson way. You have too much of it. You, you can go on and, and on and on and on and on. And people are like, is this show still exist? <laughs> you, you, you love it. You fall away from it. You come back to it. You bring your kids. You fall off again. Their kids come in. Now the grandkids are watching it. Yeah. All right. So uh, do we have titles? Because I don't have a title. I have the Beholder. I have a title. I have the Beholder. All right. So you're good. Uh, you can I like that. Eye of the Beholder. It's quite nice, especially since it's about a specific point of view on things. Uh, there's a show, actually, it reminds me, there's a Modoc show in production, which might be somewhat like that. I, that one's animated, yeah, but because Pat Oswald does the voice of Modoc in it. You know, he's floating in the air, he's kind of round, a bit like a Beholder. <laughs> so mine would be Dice of All Lives. <laughs> nice. Good, good play on that. So Dig it. Up, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It's a working title, you know, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> Mine's easy. It's going to be probably just the Dragonlance saga. I mean, it's mm -hmm. pretty simple. And each season, you could just have it, you know, titled what the book is. So it could be, you know, Dragonlance Soulforge, then Dragonlance, you know, Dragons of an Autumn Twilight, you know, on and on. So that way you could understand where you're at. Solid. Michael, you need to come up with something. I don't, I don't have a good title. Stranger the last dice roller, I don't know. Rick and Morty meets... <laughs> The yeah, the last dice roll. Uh, perfect. Yeah, the last dice roll. That's good. Perfect. All right. So at this point, we're going to vote. This will be our first round of voting. So the, the rule here is you cannot vote for yourself. So you can only vote for one of the other pitches. Uh, so again, numerically, basically, I thought we just for ease hold up a finger. Just you know, either one, two, three, or four fingers, depending on which uh, which one you're going for. So again, Caleb is one, Grant's two, Chris is three, and I am four. So we'll do a one, two, three, and everybody will just flash up which which one they want to vote for. One, two, three, vote. Okay, so we got two votes for Calum. So it looks like 
I, I thought we might have to do this more than once, but it looks like Caleb is the, the winner. We think his pitch has the most likely to be successful and or will be the one that we would enjoy watching the most. I also think it was the best pitch. Like he oh, yeah. actually came like he was <laughs> pitching. The rest of us were just fumbling around about it. All right, so Caleb, so you get a couple million dollars. You're going to go away six months, create a writer's room, develop a full pitch, and then you're going to come back and present it to us in like October, right? Yeah, no problem. Okay. No problem. Uh, but the money uh, I'll be waiting for money. your transfer. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to disappear at all. <laughs> so like a Kickstarter. We'll do a Kickstarter and then you'll just, you know, go create, start another hobby. So it's a good opportunity because I just created a coffee account so you can put it directly there. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, or Venmo. Just Venmo a couple million dollars. All right. So at this point, we'll throw it out to the audience, anybody who's been listening along, uh, which pitch did you like the best uh if you have any alternate titles for any of the pitches and then which one would you have voted for to continue on into production and hopefully something we would watch yeah and give us your, or your casting your production team for e for your favorite uh, suggestion and maybe throw your own pitches all right, so before we close up here, uh, Chris, any final words from me? Because this is a bonus episode. I want it to be pretty short and tight. Uh, but anything else that you want to say about the D&D TV show, either our pitches or just in general? Anything before we wrap up? I really think they need to keep it simple to start with. Don't overcomplicate it. Uh, don't throw us into a setting that's so deep with lore and you just throw us right into the middle of it. Build it up, please. Please keep it simple and build it up so we understand what's going on. And keep it a simple setting. Don't get crazy. Maybe even make a homebrew one. I mean, that's something none of us pitched, you know. Maybe they just make one up. Maybe it's now Michael Ross's homebrew, whatever world yeah. you'd want to call it. I would get sued because I steal so much from so many places that are easily identifiable. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can't do that. That's straight from this movie. I uh, but yeah, that, can... the idea of homebrew I think is interesting, but I don't think they would do it honestly for a D and D TV show because hey, it's part it's... of my pitch. It's just you don't you don't see it in yeah. world. You see the the game master running it, and they they can mix up things mm-hmm. from different places. You know they can be sort of overt about it. I, I don't. I'm not sure in terms of copyright. I don't think it would be a problem in terms of copyright if you had an individual in the show, like the game master, describing a scene, which is you know, but he's just describing, or right. she's just describing. So. And the players are like, dude, you're you're just describing that scene from from Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you don't shoot it and, you know, the characters could still do stuff from different movies without it being an actual copyright infringement, I think. I I don't know how that works. I know in some cases you do have to get permission for, you know, descriptions and likenesses like the NFL, I guess. Um, But I don't I don't actually know what, what what. because like in the book, like Ready Player One, like they full on had like you know, straight movie characters. Yeah, but they show them. Right. Well, no, the book. But in the movie, they weren't able to do all of them because they didn't get the rights for all of them. So the. Yep. So there's but a they difference. They were showing them. If some again, if it's a dungeon master saying, and then you were in front of Godzilla, right. and you just but, name Godzilla. Is, I just I don't know where the line is. I think you're right in in part, if not most. I just don't know if it's it is completely just. I can say Godzilla versus King Kong is imagine that, and then and that's fine. Or is there a point where it's too much? Why I don't know. It, it doesn't Di- matter. That's why you pitch it to Disney. Yeah, they, they own it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Caleb, any last words from you before we wrap up here? Anything? I wish them success. 
but I'm dubious. <laughs> I, uh, I think they're going to overcomplicate things. It's going to be designed by commission. Maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe the people involved, uh, there will be a very, very strong personality, like the... Yeah, if you had an Armand or the, I don't know, passionate, the, the creator of John Wick is about this, maybe they could save it. But as soon as you have a group of execs starting to discuss things, I think it's going to become complicated and tedious. And uh, uh, it's a hard sell. It's a much harder sell than people realize. Because again, no, no Dungeon and Dragon stuff has ever been that successful actually so it's much harder than uh, we might often think but yeah I, w- I wish them well i hope it will be a success but, as, um, a, as a fan i want it to be successful because i want to watch it and enjoy yeah. it so absolutely, absolutely i want it to to be a be a thing but i have a feeling no matter what they do it'll be that's the problem with the D fans is that they don't actually like D that much apparently uh, at least <laughs> if you're on D twitter so no matter what they do Part of it, it's going to be like, this is not what I wanted. Other people, this is exactly what I wanted. This is like sort of what I wanted. So you're never going to capture the entire D&D fan base because you're never going to do one thing that everyone can agree on. Again, I'm, I'm mind blown that you all agree that it shouldn't be Forgotten Realms. I thought oh, yeah. it would be the point. I Everybody dislike, would agree upon, most I of the people. I dislike like, Forgotten okay. Realms as a setting. So, All right, Grant, anything from you before we sign off? I just want to say I don't hate Forgotten Realms. I just... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think I've, i just pity it yes, I just pity. <laughs> uh no i wish them well it's gonna be it's gonna be rough probably uh but yeah pitch it to probably my one request would be do it weekly i think weekly shows should make a comeback because mm-hmm. as we're seeing with like wandavision and the mandalorian that's the weekly everybody gets to watch it at once or close to at once, and then gets to talk about it if it's good. Mm-hmm. If it's bad, I guess release it all at once. But <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem is that then you kind of get the feeling like if they say we're going to release it all at once, you're like, oh, then you don't think it's very good. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. I think the weekly release schedule should make a comeback. I, I like that there's a mixture. Like I don't want every show to do that, but certain shows I enjoy that. But like some some entertainment is disposable. It is laundry folding TV sure. or. You know, it's uh, doing something like doing a puzzle TV, but like WandaVision, for example, like when that's on, that's what I'm doing. I don't have my phone. I watch it and then I immediately go to my phone because I'm like tweeting stuff. Uh, but actually, uh, I think a, a good show, a, a weekly reschedule works, works out. Uh, last thing for me, first of all, thank you all for being here. I appreciate we, we had a couple other co-hosts that were supposed to jump on, but life gets in the way. So I appreciate you taking some time on your Sunday morning or afternoon, as it were, uh, to spend some time and talk about this stuff, which I think is nerdy and fun. If you have not seen the movie of Dice and Men, I actually highly encourage you to go find it. It um, came out, I think, four or five years ago, and it's actually a really cool, low-budget movie that is sort of like what Kalen pitched um, to a point. There's, there's emotion between the players that gets resolved through the actions in the game in a way that is very emotional but yet satisfying i actually highly encourage you the my co-host and the audience if you've not checked this out go find it they actually sponsored us 
for a catacomb one year and sent us a free copy of the movie we gave away. I was able to watch a screener copy they sent me a link to, and I really, really liked it. So, Isn't there another show about people who play together a campaign and uh, one of them disappeared or something, which is on at the, the, at the right now? Isn't it called Die or something? Or? There's a comic book called Die. Ah, by Gillian. I think it's coming the, on TV also, this one. Uh, they might be working on a, a, a pitch for it, but it's a comic book right now. I can't think. It's it's Gillian or Gillian Anderson or something like that. Uh, and basically, it's it is kind of that where they they were playing a game. They all disappeared, and like some of them came back, but not all of them did. And then they, some of the characters tried to go back into the fantasy world to get their friend, and it turns out they've turned evil in the intervening time, and now they're the main bad guy. So, uh, but Tom absolutely loves it. I watched, I read the first couple episodes or issues, and it was really good. But I don't know. It's sort of it meets uh, Stranger Things uh, meets uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Then sort of, yeah. I would say that's a good mixture. Uh, but yeah, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again in the future for some other bonus episodes we're working on. But until then, we'll do the awkward wave out and say goodbye. Except we're not streaming, so then I'll just hit stop on the audio. Did you want to do your normal? Oh. And remember, if you're, you're having fun. You're doing it right. <laughs> you're doing it right, yeah. Got I it, I say Tom. it so much, I, I it. it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy Podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.